0: Well guys, hopefully you're doing well this morning. Well, we start a brand new series on the Song of Solomon today. And it's going to be a four-week series. Now, the Song of Solomon is in our Bibles uh, in the Old Testament. So it's Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then Song of Solomon. Or maybe in your index it says, or the table of contents, it says Song of Songs. Well, that's what we're going to be. And if there's any book in the Bible that can make teenagers... Or encourage teenagers to read the Bible. It's this book. Uh, while I was in seminary, um, almost fifteen years ago now, some of our professors referenced Tommy Nelson's commentary on the Song of Solomon, and Tommy Nelson was the pastor of Denton Bible Church, which was just a short drive from Dallas Seminary. And the church that Jenny and I served while we were while I was at seminary used Tommy Nelson's stuff on the Song of Solomon, and it was so good. So there are going to be some things they want to reference that were directly from his material. So let's start, with, um, let's start with some context and then build from there. So the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs, is a love story between a man and a woman written about a thousand years before Jesus' birth. And theologians have um, two perspectives on how to read it. One, read it as an allegory. And so they read it as it's a picture of God's love for Israel, or Christ's love for the church, or it's a literal read. So it's a conversation between a man and a woman. And so we're going to take the literal approach, but reference at times Christ's love for the church. Okay. So this morning, we're going to be talking about attraction. attraction. Did you know that three out of ten people claim that they have experienced love at first sight? Yeah, three out of ten have experienced love at first sight now here's the kicker more men than women say that they have experienced love at first sight and that makes sense because guys are more visual right they're more uh, looking about the physical appearance now the majority of licensed marriage therapists or the professionals they believe that love is more of a choice than magic like love doesn't happen at first sight now there are some in the field that would say that they believe that two people can have such a strong connection at first sight that it actually leads to a lasting impression and eventually leads to a deeper relationship. Could be or could not be marriage. I don't know how many of you um, have tried online dating, but it's very interesting what people will do to make an impression. Um, If you've ever met someone online before meeting them in person, perhaps you know that there are some common lies people tell to make their appearance look more attractive. They're going to make their profile look more attractive. Uh, people round down their age about five years so they can appear in more searches. So if a guy says he's 50, what he's really saying is that he's receiving senior discounts at IHOP. Half of men say that they are taller online than they actually are because they know that taller guys get more views, or more hits than shorter guys. So if a guy says that he was a basketball player, most likely it might mean that he played in middle school and then he never grew after. Weight is another one that's uh, misapplied. If a guy says that he's huggable, it might mean that he's put on some weight. Uh, People, they also promote themselves by giving themselves a better title or income. So if a guy says that he's laid back and that he... Uh, is very close to his mom, it might mean that he lives with his parents, rent-free. People also find find ways to make themselves more uh, personable online. So if a woman says she's independent, it might mean that she struggles with control issues. If a woman says that she's bubbly and fun, it might mean that she likes to talk a lot. Now, it's interesting how... People represent themselves online to get noticed and feel attractive. That's something about us as human beings, right? We, we we long, man. We have a desire to be seen. We have a desire to be loved. Attraction is a powerful thing, and it's designed to be developed. And as we look at Solomon's song, there are four qualities that you and I need to develop within ourselves that honor God and the person we are attracted to. Now, the results of getting the development of these qualities right, I believe, will lead to a lifetime of honor. So, let's look at the first quality that you and I need to develop within ourselves with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is godly character. All right, and that should be something, man, we're looking in at that other person, but also we ought to be developing because people should be looking at that in us. So, we're going to Look in this conversation. We're going to listen in on the conversation between the woman and the man. Okay, so this is what the woman says Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How pleasing is your fragrance! Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women love you. Now, did you know back then that it was rare to take a bath? (laughs) Yeah, I mean that. It was rare. To take a bath. Like, you know how some of us we take baths every day or showers every day? That didn't happen back then. Could you imagine the effort it would take to take a warm bath every day back then? So, taking a bath was really rare. However, they used scented oils to make themselves more presentable. So, oils were very valuable. Now, she also says, Your name. And it's a reference to his character. Now, I'm sure you know this, that character and reputation are completely different. Reputation is what others think of you. Character is who you really are. And she makes it very clear that the reason why young women love him is because of his character. It's not just a reputation. It's his character. It's who he really is. And throughout this conversation, this is a guy who has godly character. And the big takeaway for us today is that if you want a marriage that honors God, you need to live a life that honors God. And maybe replace marriage with relationship or friendship. If you want a friendship that honors God, you need to live a life that honors God. Like, godly character is a starting point for all of us. Uh, Over the years, there have been uh, very close friends and family members who have been with people and that relationship ends either in a breakup or divorce. And the thing that I often hear is, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand how how I keep finding or finding myself attracted to the wrong one. And it's interesting that when they say that and you look back on the decisions that they've made, Jesus wasn't first in their life, which affects the way that we live. Like if Jesus isn't first in your life, it affects the way that you live. It affects the way that I live. It affects where we hang out where we go, and the people we associate with. Like attracts like. Now, it's been said that if you want a great marriage, it's not just finding the right person, it's also about becoming the right person. Godly attracts godly. I I like what Andy Stanley says. He says, become the person that you're looking for is looking for. I believe that when it comes to developing character, we can be inspired by something that Jesus said. He said, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously or live the right way, which is under God's way. And he will give you everything you, catch this, you need. The most important person we ought to be pursuing is Jesus. Then the other things that we need will begin to fall into place. Remember that marriage is not the ultimate relationship. Our relationship with God is, Is ultimate and that's the relationship you and I need to be pursuing because out of that relationship we really begin to develop godly character. So the second quality that we need to develop within ourselves through the power and the help of the Holy Spirit is growing trust. Growing trust. Now as we go back into the conversation between the woman and the man, notice what the woman says as they begin to get to know each other and they begin to open up about some insecurities. Now, if you open up to someone about your insecurities, what's that saying? You trust that person. So notice how it goes. I am dark but beautiful, O women of Jerusalem, dark as the tents of Kadar, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tents. Don't stare at me because I'm dark. The sun is darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me. They forced me to care for their vineyard, so I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard. She's talking about her body there. So in our culture, women and men, they love to tan because it's found to be attractive. Like we, we like people with a little bit of color on them, right? Now in this culture, when this was written, women wanted to be women. Women wanted to be light-skinned because it meant that she didn't have to do hard labor out in the fields, which meant that her skin would have been hit by the sun. So light skin was actually more attractive than dark skin. So when she says, don't stare, what she's saying is, I'm insecure. And the reason why she's darker than she would like to be is because she's been forced by her brothers to work in the fields. And because she's working in the field, she cannot work on her body, her vineyard. So she feels insecure. She feels vulnerable. When we discuss our vulnerabilities and our insecurities, what it does is it grows trust in that relationship. So whether we're trusting a friend, we're trusting a spouse or someone that we're dating, we're saying, I trust you with things that really scare me. And we often start with the physical and it leads to the emotional Uh, When Jenny and I, when we started dating over 20 years ago, I cannot believe I said that 20 years ago, I talked about two things that I didn't like about myself, my teeth and my feet. With my teeth, um, my bottom teeth are really crooked, and that's just because my parents couldn't afford braces, and so I just never fixed it. And then my front tooth got smashed in by a baseball, so it's chipped and it's pushed in. And then feet, I don't know if I've been around locker rooms I don't know if I've been in enough dormitories, but it's just feet. Ugh. I don't like feet. And I always wear socks. And so I was honest with her up front. You know, I was like, baby, you may never see my feet. You're just going to see my socks. And I was like, I just want you to know, do you love me for me? And she says, look, as long as you don't open your mouth, I love you. <laughs> no, she didn't say that at all. But the rest is history, right? We, we learn to be open about our insecurities, Okay, so the third quality that we need to develop with ourselves through the power and the help of the Holy Spirit is greater standards. Greater standards. So notice as we go back into the conversation, this is what the woman says. Tell me, my love, where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like a prostitute among your friends and their flocks? So in some translations, you might see prostitute as veiled woman. But basically, it's a woman who gives themselves to a man at a price. So what she's saying in so many words is this. I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to be like that. Other women may do some things that I'm not going to do. I'm not going to get that and do that to get a man's attention. And what she's saying is, is I got high standards, I got great standards, I got different standards. And imagine that pushback in today's culture. Actually, we don't even have to imagine it as men and women are willing to do things with their bodies to get someone's attention regardless of what it costs them. And this goes back about having godly character. I mean, the two are tied together. Like, really it comes down to two options in a dating relationship. One, I honor God. And each other together okay so together we honor God and each other or we sin together and it comes down to those two options I think for some of us man we jump into well she kisses really good or man he he loves me really well in the bed and we pursue that and the whole thing with dating is that's building a foundation for which your marriage will stand is it going to stand on love or is it going to stand on lust? See, our culture has a different perspective than God on the purpose of dating. And if you choose to sin, you're compromising. And if you choose to sin, you're compromising. If you compromise on this, what else might be you'd be tempted to compromise? Like, what would it look like to be different? Instead of pursuing somebody's body, what would it What would it be like for you to ask this question? Am I being respectful to him or her as an image bearer? I mean, gosh, dating isn't marriage, guys. Dating isn't marriage. Things can change in a dating relationship that has two people going two separate directions. And so it's a lot easier to be able to leave that than leave a marriage. I mean, we joked, uh, I think, a couple months ago about this, but... I think for some of us, man, we're all like we're thinking about. Well, I, I can't wait to get married because we're gonna have sex every day. And it honestly, guys, you're gonna wake up to a surprise. It does not happen. It does not happen. Many things are gonna change. And I believe having great standards, high standards, what it means is I'm willing to choose self control for the honor of the other person. I think some of us, man, we are willing to stay in a relationship just because what happens in the bedroom is really, really good. But I cannot tell you, when you look at your marriage, when you look at a marriage, when you look at someone else's marriage, man, that is a very, 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 very small portion of the marriage. See, when speaking to men, Sheila Gregoire, she writes this, Defeating lust is not about limiting a man's encounters with women. It's about empowering men to treat women around them as whole people, daughters of Christ. The key to defeating lust is not to avoid looking at women. It's actually to see them. So you, you might be asking, like, what if, what, if, what if we blew it? Like, what if we jump to what should happen on a wedding night? We jumped that too early. We jumped the gun on that. What do we do? Like, like we, we blew it. We compromised. What do we do? Well, the first thing is to ask God for forgiveness together. Like, you can't change the past, but you can change today. You could change tomorrow by building into your relationship in a way that honors God and each other. And then the final quality of attraction that we need to develop within ourselves by the power and the help of the Holy Spirit is consistent encouragement. Now, notice the man begins to speak. He's responding, and this is what he says to the woman who's insecure about her skin. You are as exciting, my darling, as a mare among Pharaoh's stallions. So he, he, so he calls her a horse. Now, I don't want some of you guys thinking, man, we're going to use that for Mother's Day's coming up. No, no. Here, here's what he cleverly refers to her in a very poetic and really metaphoric way as a female horse. See, in that culture, referring to one of Pharaoh's horses would have been encouraging to her because this horse would have been white. And it would have pulled Pharaoh's chariot, which meant royalty. So what he's saying in so many words is, I see you, and I see you like a royal white horse that is prized and cherished. And this horse makes people stop, and it takes notice. And what is and that's what I want to do to you. I want to just stop. I want you to know that I see you, that I'm stopping, and I'm taking notice of you. And I love everything about you. He says, How lovely are your cheeks? Your earrings set them afire. How lovely is your neck, enhanced by a string of jewels. We will make for you earrings of gold and beads of silver. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful. Your eyes are like doves. Some of you guys are like, all right, I'm going to write that down. Very poetic. What he's saying is, look, he goes back and forth with encouraging her about her physical appearance, something that she's insecure about. He's reinforcing to her, look, I see you. And listen, I want to keep doing this. Notice he says, we will make for you. He's like, man, I'm going to keep doing anything we need to do to let you know and reinforce to you that you are beautiful. See, when a man consistently encourages his, his wife, his girlfriend, what happens is it leaves the woman feeling valued, cherished, nurtured, and closer to Christ. And when this happens, a woman responds in two ways. She feels special and she feels secure. And when she feels like she is seen, man, look, any man starts looking better to a woman. She says, You are so handsome, my love, pleasing beyond words. The soft grass is our bed, fragrant cedar branches are the beams of our house, and pleasant-smelling firs are the rafters. Listen, when a man puts her ahead of him, serves her, values her, listen, you get better looking. And everything gets better when a man sees her and makes her feel secure. When you love her through her insecurities, she becomes secure by feeling special and safe. Notice how she responds by feeling special. I am the spring crocus blooming in the Sharon Plain, the lily of the valley. In her culture and in their culture, she's saying in so many words, you make me feel like the most special woman on earth. And notice she didn't say a crocus, but the spring crocus. And notice that the crocus was a seasonal flower in the iris family. And guess what it bloomed? It usually bloomed white or yellow or orange or purple. So what she's saying is, among all the flowers, you're saying that I pop. See, in a grassy valley, those crocuses would pop. And then he responds, like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. He's like, you are so different. No one compares to you. No one compares to you. You got thistles, and then you got you. You're the flower. And not only does she feel special, but now she feels safe. All right, she feels safe. Like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other men. I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. Remember how she was so concerned with her skin? she now says that she feels safe in his shade or his protection. See, God calls men to three things to provide security for their wife and family. These are the three things that need to be developed even before dating. I mean, we ought to be developing these three things. One, you're the pastor by setting the spiritual tone. Like you're the spiritual thermostat in your home. I like what Craig Rochelle says, he says a stay-at-home family doesn't raise go-to-church kids. A stay-at-home family doesn't raise go-to-church kids. So not only are you the pastor, but also you're the provider by setting the tone financially. Now that doesn't mean that she can't make more than you or you have to make more than her. That does not. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you set the culture of tithing, which is giving 10% of your income back to the local church. Saving. The goal is to save about 10%. And then you live on what's, what remains, the 80%. You're living beneath your means. You need to be able to set that financial culture. And then, not only do you pastor, not only do you provide, but you also protect by protecting her physically, but also emotionally as you help God guard her heart. And our model is Jesus who loved the church and by laying down his life. Notice what Paul writes. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How did he love us? By, li- by giving up his life to make her holy, clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Being a follower of Jesus, you know that I can look back and because of what Jesus did for me, I can feel secure. I don't have to worry about my salvation I don't have to worry of what's going to happen to me when I die. I don't have to worry about that because I know that I'm secure. But I also know that because He loved me, I I feel seen. I feel like I'm worth something because He was willing to lay down everything to have a relationship with me. So I feel special, you could say. I feel seen, but I also feel secure. He provides me identity. He provides me purpose. Amazing. See, we live this out as men um, by sacrificing for the women in our lives by godly character, growing in trust, having greater standards and consistent encouragement. Listen, now I believe if we do those four qualities, we will find ourselves attractive. We will. We'll find ourselves attractive. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we're able to jump into the Song of Solomon. And Father, thank you for the things that we're able to learn about attraction and what it looks like to be attractive. Father, for all of us, we can develop through the power and the help of the Holy Spirit, godly character. So help us to be able to do that. Help us be intentional with the decisions we make, the choices that we make as well. Father, for those who are on the fence about Christianity, Father, I pray that they would pursue Jesus, because that is the ultimate relationship. For us to find purpose and fulfillment and satisfaction in life is only through Jesus. So, Father, as we jump into our normal lives this week, help us to find ways to be attractive to people as followers of Jesus. Father, if someone is not quite ready to make that decision yet, I pray that they have a conversation with someone on our team, uh, maybe with me, or with someone who is a follower of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for what Jesus did to give us hope and security and peace. In Jesus' name, amen.